This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Welcome to XNO Quick Hits. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And I am joined, as always, by the host of our great film show, TOJ Film Room, over on our YouTube channel, Turn on the Jets TV, Mr. Joe Blewett. Joe, what's going on, sir? Uh, same old stuff. Uh, I know we're going to talk a lot, you know, coming up. We have a uh, decent amount of film reviews we've, I've released that are, becoming, are, are, that are, that are going to become uh, excellent quick hits. We have preseason coming up. Uh, if I go to a camp day or two, I know you'll actually do a show. Then we got uh, 17 weeks or 16 weeks, I guess, of uh, X's and O's quick, quick hits coming with the uh, the season. And I hope it's a lot better than last season where we were disinterested by, you know, uh, not well, not disinterested, but, you know, we were out of the playoff race by October. So we have some more excitement going into December, et cetera. And then we start the whole freaking process over with 3,000 guys in the draft and stressing out about that and, you know, all the, all the fun stuff. It's just a never-ending cycle of film, so... And let's begin this never-ending cycle of film, or at least this round of it, by talking about the guy who was a rookie last year but will be a sophomore tight end this year, Christopher Herndon. A lot of promise there, or at least that's what it seemed like when we were watching all of the games. You went back and reviewed his film from 2018. So let's start with this. Tell me a little bit about the routes that you saw him run as a rookie tight end. Uh, yeah, he, he ran a decent amount of, <clears throat> of routes. Um... He, he he was a lot, and it was it was really a shame with uh, you know Jeremy Bates' offense with some of the routes that a lot of guys ran. So he he, he ran a lot of it was a lot of back breaking stuff. It was a lot of you know uh, hook routes and snags um, and curls. Uh, he did run some come he did run some not comebacks. He did run some outs. He did run some drags. He ran some um, overs. Uh, at towards the end of the season, he started just you know he started running more vertical routes, uh, you know testing the, the the seam and things like that. So he ran a good variety of routes, but um, at the same time, it, they weren't as and it's not because he couldn't; it was more because of the offense that he was in. He wasn't asked to, to work vertically as much as I thought he should have been because you know him being what like I would say like two fifty. I think he's like six three, six four, um, and with the speed that he has, I think he can stretch the seam. He can threaten vertically. He can run post. Uh, he can run uh, corner routes. Obviously, he can, he, he can run uh, just seam routes. So um, I, I would like to see him be more, used more that way this year, where he was a little bit more pigeonholed last year into shorter and intermediate stuff. So uh, I think they limited him a little bit. But uh, I think I, you know a guy like Gase will will use him um, in, in more in a more variety of ways, which we will probably get into. So. Yes, we certainly will, but before we do, let's talk a little bit about Christopher Herndon's blocking, because we're going to talk mostly about his receiving, so I want to get this out of the way. He's not really thought of as much of a blocker, which I think is part of the reason why Trevon Wesco was drafted in the fourth round, because they wanted somebody to specifically handle that role, but I don't know that he's quite as bad of a blocker as some people make him out to be. What did you think from what you saw in his 2018 film? So he was willing and uh, mostly able uh, in terms of blocking. He's willing to stick his head in there, and you know, as a, as a rookie, just like any other position with any other attribute, you're going to struggle in certain aspects of it. You're never going to finish product. So there was definitely some times where he struggled, in, you know, in terms of understanding leverage and hip positioning and, and covering gaps instead of just trying to work with his hands. Um, so and he, there was times where he was overextended. There was times where he wouldn't get under pads. There would be times he'd be blocking a little bit high and get tossed around. But then there was also some times where he, you know, would block an outside linebacker effectively or climb to the second level 
um, you know, and hit a mic or, you know, whatever it may be. So there was, so it, it was, it was a mixed bag, but it was enough of a mixed bag of, of blocking where, you know, I saw the willingness, I saw some technique, but it was just very inconsistent. So I think like any rookie going to their sophomore year for the most part, um, anybody, at least anybody who's on an upward trajectory, uh, which I believe Herndon is on, that he'll learn better technique, he'll get stronger. Um, I think he's, he was 22, now he's going to be 23, or he's 23 and 24, so he's, he's going to be stronger another, another year regardless of a of an NFL weight program, so that'll obviously help his blocking uh, technique that will always be learned until you know the, the last year of your NFL career, and even after that, you'll learn techniques that you never knew um, while you're in the NFL, you wish you would have, so... Um, He's okay. He's he's an okay blocker. He's not Trayvon Wesco. He's not a guy who you know like Wesco is six four, six five. He's like two hundred and seventy, two hundred seventy five pounds. Who's going to be able to just flatten defensive ends at times? Uh, obviously, he did it a lot of college. He'll do it less in the NFL just because NFL defensive ends are a lot bigger, a lot stronger, a lot smarter, play with their leverage, etc. Um, but Wesco is is a full on blocker. He's I think he's going to be a monster as as an H back. Um, as a fullback, as a Y, um, he's gonna do a, a lot of different things. And the thing about Wesco, and I know we already talked about him, is but it's, it's, it's such a it's, he's such another interesting piece to this tight end room because, you know, even though he is a blocker, he's gonna be able to be used in different ways. Where uh, you know a lot of the goal line looks where the Jets would bring in, or even in short yarded situations, they would bring in a guy like a like a Quale, um as that extra tackle, or in years past like a Ben Ijelon or whatever it may have been. Um, where now you can bring in a guy, you know, like a Wesco, who's most likely going to block just as well as they did or close to it. But he's also a guy who, you know, can catch the ball and run routes better than they can, can, can run with the ball better than they can. So and he's definitely an interesting piece to add to this to this tight end room. Uh, he's a better blocker than Herndon, you know, already, in my opinion. Uh, he's a lot cleaner in terms of technique and, you know, everything already um, from what I saw on film. But it's not like, it's not like Herndon is is in, incapable of it's he's not a t- he's not a tight end like a Gasecki that Gase had in Miami or a Jimmy Graham where during the game and they're a Y you know either the run's going away from them or they're going to break out on a route where Herndon you know he, he he's capable so it's he's not a dead giveaway like some other tight ends are so while sports can bring us so much joy it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress and that stress can make it difficult to concentrate relax and get decent sleep Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. 
Tell me a little bit about what you saw with his hands because he was known to have pretty soft hands in Miami. The problem was that he was hurt quite a bit there, and that's why he didn't shine. Plus, he was stuck behind David Njoku for a while as well. But I think we saw pretty impressive hands for the most part in 2018. Is that what your film review uncovered? Um, so when the ball actually hits his hands, the hand, his hands are soft, but he has to work on his catching form. Um, for sure, uh, with, with his hand placement, um, we saw multiple times. And if you're asking, you know, if you think of multiple examples, um, the Packers game where Donald hit him on the back shoulder, if you watch that throw, you know, Herndon didn't catch it with his hands. He caught it with his chest. It bounced off his chest. Um, we saw the, uh, the Patriots game late where instead of attacking the ball and, and Donald basically, he made a really good read. He saw that Herndon. Um, had leverage, I believe, it was on a safety underneath of him, and he saw no no corners or defensive backs over top. So he just decided to chuck the ball up to Herndon because he's going to trust him to win. And um, the, instead of attacking the ball with you know aggressive hands, he kind of put one hand as an underhand and one hand as an overhand, and his hands were just completely spread apart. Where you know if you're going to go underhand, you want your hands basically touching. Same thing with overhand, where you want your hands like that diamond formation to catch catch the tip of the ball. Um, instead of that, the ball went through his hands, actually hit the peg, the Patriots uh, defender's helmet, and then popped up in the air. Uh, there was another time that happened. I forget exactly when it was that that, that happened. So he needs to work on his hand positioning. But then we also see catches. Um, the Jaguars game where Donald chucked the ball up and he bo- he, he made a bobble catch. Uh, we saw the game, uh, obviously the same game against the Packers when he made the one-handed catch over the middle. So he, he has flashes. He's inconsistent. Um, in terms of how he catches the ball, you know he does bring it in uh, for the most part. But like my, you know, minus you know another bad catch or a bad play. You think about the Miami game earlier in the year where uh, Donald found deep down the sideline, or was, yeah, it was a Miami game. Found deep down the left sideline, hit Herndon, it hit Herndon in the chest, and then uh, you know the ball bounced to the ground when Donald made a great play. So he's a, he, I would say not sh- he doesn't have strong hands. He's not a strong catcher, but like he has soft hands when it hits his hands if that makes sense i i guess uh he needs to learn hand positioning um he's good at catching the ball when it when it does um hit those hands but it's definitely inconsistent with in terms of in terms of his technique is which is why so many balls went through his hands hit his chest hit defenders and he wasn't able to bring it in so you mentioned his technique so elaborate on that if you could what does he need to fix there Yes, there's different situations in terms of the the hands, and it's all situational and and based on how the ball is arriving relative to your body positioning or relative to defender's body positioning, um, where let's say, you know, you're working across the middle and Donald is a little bit off, he throws it behind you to your your back hip. Um, You can't really, you know, I guess in certain situations you can drop down and and catch the ball kind of as you're sitting down to the turf, but if you want to continue to get, you know, yards after catch, you're going to, you know, flash your hands backwards, basically clasp your hands together um, and catch the ball underhand, whereas later in the season, like I said, against the, in the Patriots game where, you know, Donald throws it to him deep down the field, he has a guy working um, in, a, in a trail position, um, and you always want to attack the ball, and instead of attacking the ball uh, with, you know, with that diamond hand, you know, uh, catching, you know, uh, with the overhands where basically your, your uh, two pointers are touching, your two thumbs are pointing, and it makes a diamond. Uh, you want to catch the nose of the ball, not the middle of the ball, not the end of the, the end nose of the ball. Um, instead of doing that, where his hands are nice and tight together, attacking the ball, he basically had one hand like an underhand and one hand like an overhand, where it almost looked like people who are doing the uh, the whole Florida Gators, you know, whatever that freaking thing is, the alligator. Um, 
you know, he, he was almost doing that with his hands not even connecting, you know, at the, at the, uh, at the, uh, at his palms. So it kind of is a really bad hand positioning. So he needs to just work on that, um, attacking the ball, uh, looking the ball in. So at the, at the catch point with his, uh, with his understanding of how to, you know, when or when not to attack the ball, how to catch the ball, he needs to definitely work on that. There was another throw too where he had bad, uh, where he didn't necessarily attack the ball where, I forget, it was later in the season, it might have been the Texans game where Donald split two zones, threw the ball right in the middle of both of them, and uh, even the ball was just slightly deflected. Um, Herndon was sitting down, but he wasn't really extending the ball. He was more waiting for the ball to hit him in the chest. Uh, actually, wasn't he actually wasn't waiting for the hit in the chest. He was actually, he was working back towards the ball, but his hands weren't as tight as they should have been. He didn't attack the ball um, as much as he should have, where he should have had aggressive hands at that point. Um... And the ball uh, was dropped again, where Donald split, you know, two zone defenders. The the, the defender did get just the fingertip on the ball, but it still hit Herndon on the chest, and he dropped it. So it's 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 they're good hands at times, bad hands at other times. It's it's all about um, his technique with his hands. It's not really about if he can catch it, because we saw the one play, I guess, against the Packers, where it's a fingertip catch over the middle. So it's not like he can't catch it. It's just all about uh, technique and, and consistency in that technique. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Joe, you talked a little bit about this in broad strokes, but if you could elaborate more on his overall strengths and weaknesses. Um, yeah, so like, like you said, um, like I said before, you're looking at a guy who has a good size, you know, two, uh, 6'4", 253, he's officially listed at. Um, in terms of some of the strengths, you're looking at, you know, the burst off of the line. He has, he's, he's good in terms of getting gack. He could break tackles. He's pretty fluid in the open field. Um, I think he played multiple positions. It's not like, you know, he, he just is, a, he's not a guy like Gusecki or, or, uh, a guy like Jimmy Graham, where I talked about before, where you don't, you just want them in a, as a pass catcher. He can block. He could play Y. He could play as an H back in the backfield. He could be a split blocker. Uh, he could be used a little bit as a fullback, even though I doubt that they'll do that because of a guy like Wesco, but I'm sure there'll be a, a look or two where, um, it's a little bit mixed up just to throw different things at, at the, uh, at the defense. He could play slot. He could play, um, he can play in a wide ISO situation where he's, you know, basically a wide ISO situation. You're on the one side of the field by yourself and all of the receivers um, where you're going to line up against a linebacker or a safety if it is, you know, um, a, a man coverage. So I, he could do pretty much pretty much everything, um, and, I, and that is good, his versatility. Um, like I said, he has speed. He can get yak. Uh, he, has the, he has soft hands. Like I said, it's all about the technique. So it's not, it's not when, he, when it hits his hands. It's more about how it's coming into him, him learning how to do that. So um, he, I know his hands can be good. It's just like I said, he has to work on that a little bit. Um, he works hard to block. It's not like he's, he's, he's not a willing blocker. So he has plenty, plenty of strengths um, that he'll develop and that we'll continue to see um, in terms of, in terms of the weaknesses. It's about the consistency with those hands and the placement um, of his hands again in, in those catches. And even on blocks where you see his hands are a little bit too wide where I want him to see, him try to win the inside more where 
getting your hands on first and inside is is ninety percent of blocks. Oh, well, not ninety. That, that's a little bit too high, but it's a very very big part of blocks getting your hands inside and um, and inside first. So um, you want to see that that improve. Um, you want to see him in terms of his routes. Uh, you know, you want to see a little bit sh- more sharpness at the top of his routes. Uh, take less stop steps, uh, less gather steps. Be more sharp with his hips um, at the top of you know whether it be a square cut, a, a, a backwards breaking cut. Um, you want to see more explosion out of routes, and it's all about footwork. So his footwork in in, in his routes. Um, you want to see um, more, but. Like I said, he'll, he'll develop. I think he started to develop a good rapport with Donald where, you know, he would move around in, in those, like, scramble-type drills where he would find open spots and zones better late in the season, where in the beginning of the season I thought I that was a little bit of a weakness, but he started to do that more late in the uh, in the se- in the season. But footwork, explosiveness out of breaks, you know, learning how to run routes better, uh, which is going to be, you know, not necessarily a weakness of, of all rookies where it was of, of his a little bit, but um, it's something that all rookies will need to develop going to their second year. The tight ends rarely do very well in their in their rookie years because it's just a much different ball game um, from college into the NFL with that. And uh, he made a big impact in, in, in year one, so I'm expecting him to take another, uh, you know, jump in, in year two. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Joe, you did an extensive film review of Adam Gase's offense from his time down in Miami. How do you see Herndon fitting into that offense this year now that Gase is going to be running it with the Jets? Well, like I said, he, he will be a split blocker um, in the run game. He will play in line, uh, which all, you know, most, most tight ends do that. Uh, maybe not a ton play H-back, but a lot of them do nowadays. Uh, and he's a guy who, you know, Adam Gates is not a guy like Jeremy Bates or bad offensive coordinators or even some different offensive coordinators who don't necessarily like to use their tight ends like this, but or like I'm about to say. But Adam Gates uses his tight end both on wide open situations, which I saw plenty uh, with Gusecki, which, like I said, he's going to isolate him in, 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 uh, against a linebacker or safety, which he didn't really do a ton last year, uh, which uh, Bates didn't do a ton last year or really at all last year. And he uses his... Uh, tight ends as a part of of deeper concepts as well, where where you'll see you you saw a guy like Kaseki, um working as an intermediate read or even as a deep read in some um, of his concepts. So I'm expecting him to to run more deep routes in in this offense. Obviously, he's going to run some snags and some drags and some overs, uh, like most tight ends do. But I think what this offense will do for him that uh, Bates offense didn't do for him was offer him. Um, more yards down down the field um, in terms of running deeper routes instead of mostly short and intermediate stuff. So uh, I guess that he was used in many, many ways um, in terms of the pass game, which Herndon is a better player than Gusecki. I think Gusecki is a little more athletic than him, but Herndon also, also uh, offers you flexibility um, in the box and blocking, like I said, a split blocker, H-back, wide tight end, that a guy like Gusecki didn't. So I, I expect him to see you know Herndon all over the field, um, and that's why a versatile tight end is just, they're, they're so much better. I, I'd rather have a, 
a decent pass uh, pass catcher, decent blocker than an, than an all-star pass catcher, but a guy who was not willing or able to block. So uh, having Valley Herndon, especially in his second year, I think is a really uh, important piece for Adam Gase's offense. And I think, I think honestly, just based on the stuff that we've talked about, I think going into his second year, uh, he's a little bit too hyped up, but I'm not saying that he can't develop into something really good that people automatically assume he's going to be, you know, top 10 tight end. Um, I think, you know, uh, right now he's like a top, he's like probably top 20, but I'm not saying he's like a top tight end, uh, 10 tight end yet, even though I do think he can develop into that. But he's another piece that, you know, p- fans like probably more than I do, but like I said, I still think he need to be good. But at this point, it's kind of, you know, people are talking about Bell a lot and Crowder a lot and Anderson a lot. Uh, let's not forget about Herndon because, um, he still is going to be a versatile piece. I think they will use a lot. So, This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Let's talk about his connection with Sam Darnold, who is also going into his rookie year. It seemed like Herndon and Darnold really hit their stride at a certain point in the season, and that connection was pretty strong. Do you think it's going to continue to develop, and do you remember any specific instances that you caught on film that turned your head? In terms of the Darnold-Herndon connection, can you talk about a couple of specific plays that you remember that really stood out to you? Um, yeah, well, later in the, early in the season, like, they didn't, they didn't have much of a connection. Um, I'm just gonna pull up the game log just to, yeah, make sure I'm, yeah. So, first game, like, two catches, second game, two catches, you know, uh, the third game is Jackville, one catch, then two catches, then four catches, then one catch, then four catches. So, he, he wasn't doing anything like, you know, uh, too, too special, but in the last game, he saw nine catches within two games. Um, he only had three versus Houston, but, you saw more of, like I said, him him finding the soft spots in zones with Darnold, which it was it was a lot about Darnold. It was also a lot about Herndon as well, both just being super young guys and having to develop. They're not finished products. So uh, Herndon wasn't as comfortable in scramble drills. He wasn't as comfortable as sitting between, you know, the curl to flat and and the hook to seam and, and, and you know, being aware of where defenders were around him and what the proper spot was to, to sit in, uh, both in, you know, routes and when to sit it down or where to sit it down. And in scramble drills, where to set it down. So we saw that more later in the season, where uh, Darnold had more trust in him. He knew where he would be. We saw more of Herndon. Um, for spe- uh, specific examples, I can't. <laughs> it's, it's, it's always funny. I say this all the time. Uh, I watch so much freaking film; it all blends together at a certain point. But I remember there there were uh, some examples of uh, you know Sam Darnold scrambling out. He he started to really feel himself at the end of the season, where he'd start to point guys out to spots to go to. Um, or where he wanted them to, to be so he could throw the ball, and, and Herndon was on the receiving end of, of a few of those plays where Darnold would point him in the right direction, and they, they would connect on a, on a pass. So um, they definitely developed that connection late in the season. We saw it, uh, obviously, in the Packers game where Darnold didn't throw the best ball over the middle, and Herndon extended it with a safety right in his face. Who The safety, I believe that was, was that Haha Clinton Dix at that point, or no? Did he go, was that, I, I forget what safety, whatever safety it was last year, um, who should have absolutely lit up Herndon on that play, but uh, was a little bit soft on that specific play. But you know, they definitely developed that connection uh, where Donald started to trust Herndon because of things like that and uh, just get a better feel for each other and, and how they like to sit in defenses and uh, read defenses and you know just timing it, everything. There's there's a lot of things just you know me throwing a pass to you, Scott, in a parking lot. We have to develop you know timing if we were running full speed on. You know how fast you got their breaks, how you read defenses, wh- when you're going to sit it down, when you're not going to sit it down. So uh, they started to develop that, and it's definitely going to just like Robbie Anderson with the Robbie Anderson question. It's going to um, improve in, in year two, playing more with a guy. You, you learn them more, you get closer with them. 
uh, both on the field and in the locker room, which develops more of a connection, um, you know, on the field. So uh, it's going to develop. Did he display a skill set in his 2018 film that would make you believe he has a legitimate chance to be a pro bowler or even an all pro going forward? All pro? I'm not going to say all pro. Um, I think I think he could be, you know, a top 10 guy. Do I ever think he's going to be, you know, a Jimmy Graham who was a just a superstar in terms of he's a, he's a big receiver, basically. Uh, Gronkowski was just a monster. I don't see him being one of those guys. I, you know, now, now, necessarily, could he develop into one of them? I'm never going to say no because, you know, it's not he doesn't have the, the you know, the, the kind of the athleticism to be maybe like a Zach Ertz or, or a Kelsey, but I don't, I don't see it now or a Kittle. Um, I think he's kind of, he's solid in every area, but it's not like he stands out in one where a Kittle is like a monster of yak and, and you know, Ertz is basically a receiver in terms of the way he runs routes. And a guy like Jimmy Graham, just a tall receiver. You have Gronk, like I said, he was a monster. Um, I forgot the other guy I said before, but they all kind of have one thing that's really, really great about them. So, and that would, that's what makes them those top five, top six type guys. I think Herndon's going to be, you know, um, like I said, I don't like to say no, he definitely can't because I'm a, he could and I could be wrong. But I think he's going to be more of a top ten type guy, more of like the really, really good second tier guys, more than the superstar first tier guys like those Kelsey's and Kittles and Gronks and Grams and, you know, Ertz's um, of the world. Uh, but still a really, really good second tier guy is obs- you know absolutely fine with me. I just don't think he has any trait that necessarily stands out that's going to make him ever be elite. But can he make the Pro Bowl? Yeah, I can see him making a Pro Bowl or, or two, but I-, I think he'll be very, very solid. I don't know if he'll ever be elite if I had to put my finger on it, but I'm never going to say no. We don't know for sure what he's going to be five, ten years from now. But what about 2019, Joe? What do you see from him in terms of potential production? I know you hate it when I ask you this, but I'm going to do it anyway. Tell me a little bit about what you think we're going to see from Christopher Herndon in 2019. Looking at his stat, and, and it's funny now because at this point I started to just pull up stats from last year. So I don't remember. Like, you know, I have a lot of fans like, oh, he doesn't remember stats, and I don't rehearsed okay he had 39 receptions for 502 yards you look at the film and you decide from there but uh look at last year 39 receptions 502 yards four touchdowns and average of 12.9 per it's kind of hard to predict with yards because i think he'll be used a little bit more on tight end screens which could result in two yards three yards or or a big gain so i think his yards for catch even though he's used deeper down the field um, just because he's involved with more screens, I think it'll be around the same. So uh, I think around you know twelve, thirteen is the, the proper number. I'm going to say thirty nine receptions. He's he's probably somewhere right around that again. I'm going to say um, he gets a little bit more because you know obviously he's developing more. I'm going to say instead of thirty nine receptions, he'll have forty seven receptions, and instead of five hundred and two yards because he got a couple more catches, I'm going to say. Uh, five hundred. Actually, let's say let's say six hundred and thirteen yards. Ah, no, that's high for a guy with his offense. Uh, I'm gonna say five, five, five. Uh, just because I can remember that. And he has six touchdowns instead of four. So I think I think it's not gonna be like a massive jump, but I think he just kind of develops on 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 what he did last year. He's he's still gonna look like a very solid player. Um, and if we had the same offense as we did last year, and we didn't get guys, you know, like Crowder. And Le'Veon Bell, I'd probably be predicting, you know, you know, fifty-five or like, you know, fifty-five, sixty receptions, and you know, over six hundred fifty yards, and probably eight, nine touchdowns. But instead, like I said, I'll do like forty, forty-seven catches, five hundred fifty yards, and you know, six touchdowns. 
Do you think that the development of Herndon and Darnold go hand in hand in a sense? Yeah, for sure. That's that's you know uh, any guy who's going to assist Darnold in terms of uh, you know being a reliable pass catcher, reliable blocker um, is going to help Darnold in, in his overall game, and then uh, and then with Herndon. Uh, with Donald being better and being able to make correct reads, if if, if Herndon's making the the proper plays, sitting down in zones, getting open, is sharp off of his breaks, is 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 more explosive out of his breaks, knows how to break, knows how to lean in guys, um, in, in his stem, and is getting open more than Donald being better makes Herndon better, and and vice versa. So yeah, th- them being together and and growing, um, is definitely you know important for each each other's development. So, um, which I said, so I think it's going to happen. I think Herndon. Is going to be a much more consistent player. I think that Miami catch that he didn't make, he'll make this year, or the New England catch. So I think he's going to be a better player. And the stats, the stat prediction that I made doesn't really show that I think he's going to be a much better player. It, 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 that's not the case. I think he's going to be a much better player. I think he's going to develop um, and be that guy who, um, right now, I, uh, you know, like I said, I'm not sure ne- necessarily where he is, but I think next year, you coming going into the you know 2020 season, I think he'll definitely be looked at as a guy who's in that top 10, top 12, but there's a lot of weapons on this offense. Um, not even from, you know, you're looking at, you think about weapons, you're thinking about, okay, well, well Herndon and, you know, Crowder and Anunua and uh, Robbie Anderson, but you're not even really, you know, obviously they have Bell, but think about the backups as well, just from the running back position that they have uh, in terms of a guy like, you know, uh, Montgomery, who's going to be in, in the slot and be doing multiple different things on screens. You have a guy like Powell. So there's so many, targets through around that I just can't predict a guy okay you know if it was him in a vacuum on a bad team yeah you know it's easy to say you know 60 catches 600 yards you know 12 touchdowns but it's just not the case because there, there is a lot of targets to go around for sure he is the host of TOJ Film Room over on our YouTube channel turn on the Jets TV Mr. Joe Blewett Joe thanks for talking about Christopher Herndon's rookie season with me I'm hoping that he turns it up a notch in 2019. For anybody that hasn't watched your recent film reviews or wants to know which film reviews are coming up next and be able to see those, why don't you go ahead and let them know which ones you've posted recently and which ones are coming up in the near future. Um, but I just finished, or I'm just finishing Shell at this at this time, so maybe you'll be able to figure out when I, we actually recorded it, uh, June 11th. <laughs> or sorry, July 11th. Uh, Winters is coming up, Herndon's coming up, May is coming up, Anunwa's coming up, Johnson's coming up, and then something else interesting, while posting the shelf film, like I said, um, before I, I figure out, uh, you know, and, and this guy, uh, Burgess, that the Jets uh, signed as an outside linebacker who was with Cleveland the last two years, rookie year had like four or five sacks, I forget what the exact number was, and he's actually a pretty interesting player at outside linebacker that I think might push Frankie Luvu. Um, for that fourth spot, and he, like I said, he's an interesting player that flew, uh, flew under the radar. So it's like another bonus one guy you're going to get. Um, I'm hoping that that one kind of gets canceled because when I'm in Ireland, I hope that they trade for a guy like a, you know a Trey Waynes or whoever it may be, and then I'll be more motivated to do them. But those are some of the guys, and then obviously the YouTube channel. Uh, there's just endless reviews that you can always go back and watch. Like I said, they're 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 shelf time last uh, from whenever i do them in the off season pretty much all the way until the season starts when there's new film out on them so go ahead and check out joe's latest reviews over at turn on the jets tv on youtube follow him on twitter at joe rb 31 and for the latest and greatest in new york jets podcasts you know where to go that's turn on the jets digital and turn on the jets.com